0: From Studio Nowhere, it's time for... Soccer Talk USA! Welcome to another edition of Soccer Talk USA. I'm your host, Mark Zeter. This is episode number 302 for the 1st of August 2011. And, boy, we got a lot of stuff to talk about this week. We've got the uh, big news about Bob Bradley and some other MLS stuff. We've got uh CONCACAF Champions League games to talk about. We've got uh the big Manchester United uh Barcelona clash and uh, of course some MLS results that we'll get into in a moment. So uh let's dive right in and uh talk about some of this stuff. So uh we'll begin with the uh Bob Bradley stuff. If you've been living under a rock, you'll find out that uh Bob Bradley was let go and replaced by Jurgen Klinsmann, the German. Uh, yeah, I, 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 the big thing about this that's just it's just surprising to me because of the timing. Uh, I don't know if it's something with with Major League, uh, not Major League Soccer, with U.S. soccer about how they do how they handle this kind of stuff, but um, they they definitely seem to do it on a different schedule than other countries. Every other country, like. You, I mean, people were actually fired while they were still at the World Cup. You know, they 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 wouldn't get out of the group stage, and the coach is fired. You know, and so he goes home knowing he's fired. I mean, they just do it immediately. And uh, personally, I mean, I, if I if I'm the one being fired, in some ways, I would say, you know, that's kind of rough. But in other ways, it's kind of almost worse to be like thinking, oh, I didn't get fired. I'm safe. And then you get back home and then, you know, two weeks later or a month later or whatever, out of the blue, you're fired. It's like, what? <laughs> you know, and it's almost like it'd be better to have it, you know, right then. Get all the bad news up front at one time. You know, you just had a bad loss, you know, and now you get fired. That's the way it goes. Um, but we seem to do it on a different schedule here. And and I, I just find that a little strange. I don't know if it's just there's more politics here and they have to go and debate it, or if there's they're trying to be you know sensitive or look like they're thinking about stuff, or I, I don't know what. But um, it is, it is sort of strange the way that they they do things here. Um, but uh, you know I, I honestly thought that Bob Bradley had survived. I mean he you know after the the Gold Cup wouldn't call it a fiasco. Um, but definitely the results were, I mean, the final result, obviously, was, was very negative, but even even within that, I mean, we were leading 2-0 against Mexico, you know, at, at one point in the game, and so it was, you know, it's not like we didn't, it's not like we weren't, you know, out-and-out out competitive. We did blow the 2.0 2-0 lead, but, uh, and had a, bad, you know, very lopsided result in the end, and it was definitely well outclassed that much was clear. And I think that's probably the bigger issue here. I think that um the way, you know, it, it did not look like the US soccer has made much progress. And we talked about this at the time that that uh Mexico has, you know, Chicharito and these youngsters that are coming along that are just fantastic players and we don't have that. We're still struggling with, you know, getting getting by with the last generation with with Landon Donovan, you know and um, and you know by the next world cup, he's not gonna be a young kid anymore, <laughs> you know he's already not exactly a young kid, and by the next world cup, he's definitely gonna be one of the you know the senior member of the team pretty much, which is pretty scary if you're me but uh <laughs> I remember landing when he was a six year old kid practically you know um so yeah. So I I think that I, to me, this is a message by the by U.S. soccer saying we want a different perspective. We need to get some new blood. We need to get, you know, um, and, and I think there's nothing wrong with this. I think even Bob Bradley will say, you know, he's had a good run. He's had, you know, he took him to the World Cup. He's had, you know, before that and after that. and And, you know, there's nothing to be ashamed of. He's had a good job. I think, you know, his results were not spectacular, spectacular, but they weren't disastrous either. They were very solid. But I also think that, you know, he tends to to go at it a certain way. I've questioned some of his decisions, some of his tactical things. Um, I, I especially find it strange. Um, I, for, just to give you one example of the most recent um, Gold Cup is not taking a player like Brad Davis. Um I just find that kind of bizarre because that's exactly the kind of player that we need, um, and it's like why why isn't he in the national? I mean, that's just bizarre to me. I mean, he was far and away one of the top players in the uh, uh, All Star game, and um, you know, and it just seems kind of strange to, um, to you know not not bring that up. So. Um, Anyway, uh... And I just realized something interesting, which I'm making a note here to myself about the All-Star game. I forgot all about it, so I don't have any notes on it. So that'll be interesting. Uh, <laughs> I'll wing it. Um anyway, you know, I, I, overall, I'm very positive about this, this appointment. I think Klinsman, you know, it's a new coach. It's, 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 he's, he's gonna have a different philosophy. He's a foreign where we haven't, we haven't had that in a long time. That's gonna add some dynamic to this. It's very interesting. He's very comfortable here in the States, having lived here a long time. And, uh, uh, I think it's a great move everywhere, you know, all the way around. He was, he obviously was, was in the running, you know, back when Bob Bradley got, Bob Bradley got it. Uh, they just couldn't work out the terms and, uh, now apparently they have. So, yeah, you know, more power to him. I hope this works. I, I would love to see it. You know, I, I'd love to see him bring in, you know, a huge camp of a hundred youngsters and, uh really go through and see which ones, you know, he thinks has potential. Um, there's a lot of interesting young players um that I think would benefit by that. And I think Bob Bradley, you know, you kind of get stuck in a rut and you keep using the same players, you know, that you know. And uh, having Klinsman in here, it does a number of things, everything from the players themselves thinking, you know, some of the veterans who may not quite be putting in 100%, maybe thinking, oh, I better step up my game or I may not be part of the team um to youngsters thinking ooh maybe I can get a shot you know and uh and and, and playing harder so we'll, we'll we'll see what happens but I'm I'm very optimistic and uh um they've got a game i can't remember who it was against i saw something about it, it was on the 10th of august coming up um and uh that's going to be his first his first game i think that's too early to actually see anything so i don't really you know it's not like he's, <laughs> he's gonna be able to, you know, do, do huge things at that, that quickly. But who knows, we might see a few new players and that would be interesting. So, we'll see what happens with that, so. Uh, let's see, other news, I thought I'd mention this, uh, very interesting thing, I was watching, I think it was the RSL game and they were talking about the Saborio situation. Uh, Saborio, remember last week was the one that dived against, um San Jose and basically got Bobby Burley in a red card, got them, got RSL a penalty, and then after that, they just went on to dominate the game. Uh, so the league, apparently Don Garber himself went in and, and basically retroactively suspended um, Saborio for diving in that match. But what's interesting here, this brings up a lot of different questions. They, they, were, they were mentioning some of this in the RSL game, and I thought it was a fascinating thing, because I hadn't heard about this. And uh, I'm very pleased, number one, that they are going back and retro, retroactively suspending for diving, because I don't like diving, um, especially when it's badly done, and, and especially when it really changes the game like this one does. Um But um, I think that, you know, this does raise a lot of interesting, intriguing questions in terms of, for example, the biggest one for me is, why isn't Bobby Burling's red card rescinded? You know, if it was a dive, which is what the league is saying, by suspending Saborio, then that means that. There was no reason to give Bobby Redding, Bobby Burling, a red card. But apparently, the way the league is structured, they can't rescind the red card because the the um, the referee, you know, basically what the referee says happens, and and um, you know, so he gets fined, he gets the red card, all this, even though he didn't do anything. And I I find that sort of bizarre, um, you know, very strange. So and it, and also it just doesn't really this doesn't change anything like in the results of the game it doesn't change i just find this kind of questionable uh, you know it, it, in a sense when you when you start doing stuff retroactively you really open a, a pandora's box you open a lot of doors and there's a lot of questions i mean i could look at this and say well maybe rsl doesn't deserve the four points in this game you know because they basically cheated to get that to get that result but then again you could say well you have no way of knowing what how the game would have gone if if you if you didn't have that incident with the dive and the penalty and the man down you know rsl still could have won you know it it who knows who knows um you, you know it's not like you know so so do you start adjusting the teams and their their point structure because of of something an incident like this or how do you how far do you go with this i, I don't know you know very very strange so uh it's it's just it's just an interesting thing. It, it you know, I, I on the on the overall feel is I think it's better to to at least punish diving like this because I think that's a bad thing to 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 let that let let teams get away with that. On the other hand, you're just punishing this one player and not necessarily punishing the whole team, you know, not necessarily punishing, you know, and 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 I find that you know, basically RSL has gotten away with something. You know, and, uh, and 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 San Jose got hurt by that. You know, is that fair? No. Did they get justice out of this? Not really. It doesn't affect San Jose that Saborio suspended his next match or whatever. Who cares? You know, it's like what affects them is you know not having Bobby Burling for one thing, and then also Bobby Burling gets a fine, which apparently is not rescinded. So, I, this is just some strange stuff here. And, uh, they were also talking about how I guess MLS doesn't actually control the referees. That's controlled by, by U.S. soccer, not Major League Soccer. And so, in a way that's, I can see that there's, that's, that could be, there could be some advantage to that in terms of conflict of interest or something like that where the league is basically controlling the referees and, uh, for example, just to give you an example, uh, I remember a number of years ago there was there was talk about New York getting a lot of breaks from the referees because the, this is sort of a conspiracy theory that fans were saying that New York was getting a lot of breaks from the referees because the league really wanted to see teams like New York and L.A. you know do well in the playoffs. And, uh, because that's good for, for TV ratings and, 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 and viewership and, and, and attendance at the games and stuff like that because you want the biggest media markets in the final kind of thing. And I, you know, I mean, I'm not huge into conspiracy theories, but, uh, I could see where if the league itself controlled the referees, it would be easier to make such an argument. You know, the fact that they don't, you know, kind of mitigates that argument to a certain extent. So I can see some aspects of that where, you know, it's probably in some ways good that they don't. But on the other hand, if that means that they can't control some stuff like this in the Sabario situation, they can't rescind the red card, they can't do certain things, that's a bit weird. That's a bit weird. They should have the power to do stuff like that, Um, you know. So I don't know. There's some interesting, you know, a lot of stuff to talk about there. We'll have to keep an eye on on that situation. But uh, anyway, let's talk quickly quickly about the All Star Game. I completely forgot to write any notes about it and 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 make about. It. So I'm just going to wing it. I, I don't have a lot to say about it. Um, I pretty much. I mean, this was a slaughter. Let's let's be honest. Uh, the biggest thing about this game to me was the i mean going into this did i think that you, the the mls all stars were going to win this not necessarily manchester united is just a fabulous team and even with the all stars you know united has you know such a deep bench uh, and and their second rate you know players are still better than our top players in in a lot of ways at least in 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 uh and certainly better than most of our bench players you know even in an all star game i mean Um, and they're also, I mean, I've talked about this in the past of all-star games that, you know, I've never been a huge fan of the whole all-star format simply because these players are, they're not strangers exactly, but they've never really played together for the most part. And, um, and you actually get a more competitive match playing pretty much any team in the league against Manchester United than you do an all-star team against, you know, Manchester United just because they know how to play together and they can play as a team and you saw that in this one that most of Manchester United's goals came really from from poor I would I guess I could say poor communication you know just 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 just, just poor defensive structure and stuff from the uh, from the all-stars that they just they're not a team they're not in sync and uh, Manchester United was really pretty easily able to take advantage of that and and defeat them um, in terms of the game itself, you know, so I didn't go into this kind of thinking that this was going to be that great of a game, but I really thought that ESPN really overblew this by, I mean, the first 20 minutes in the pregame show or whatever it was, they just kept harping about how, you know, MLS was so upset last year losing the game, and they were going to come back for revenge, and this was going to be so much better, and, and they gave Baca, Hans Baca, the... the you know the go ahead to to put together a, an actual team and that's why he brought in like you know four players from from Houston and he you know he, he picked a lot of these a lot of these players himself to to be able to bring in um you know his own his own kind of a team and and be able to make this you know a competitive game that that you know MLS would win so what happens we get shut out 4-0 you know that's a route. that's far worse than last year where we at least scored a couple goals and, um, so, I, I'm, you know, I, I thought that United, I mean, ESPN, you know, pushing this emphasis that this was going to be such a competitive game, I thought, obviously it was a huge mistake. And, uh, it was almost, you know, it was actually pretty hilarious to watch them towards the end of the, you know, second half, and you know, the second half and the end of the game, and this one where they were just backpedaling like mad and trying to, oh, well, this doesn't mean anything, it's just an all-star game, and blah, 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 and, you know, United's a world-class team, this is an all-star team, they've only had, you know, two days to practice, blah, 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 and, you know, it's like, come on now, you know, <laughs> this is ridiculous, you know, you, you spent the first hour telling us how competitive this was going to be, and, and obviously it's not and the whole thing's kind of a joke you know um in terms of the players i mean obviously the two best players i think for either team really was david beckham and 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 brad davis i mean they were both outstanding in this game um and beckham actually went the full night i can't remember if brad davis did or not i think he went most of it um i'm pretty sure he started the second half and played quite a bit so he may not have played the entire match but uh i think about <laughs> About an hour in, I kind of got bored and wasn't really paying too much attention anymore. (laughs) By that time, it was pretty much pretty much out of it, you know. But, um, you know, I mean, as an exhibition, it's kind of fun and stuff. But the problem with this is it's just like the other games that we talked about last week where, you know, Manchester United goes up to Seattle and beats them 30-0 or whatever it was. Um, You know, it it just sets this – people around the world just see that scoreline and they think, oh, yeah, Major League Soccer sucks, obviously. And you know they didn't see the game. They don't understand the the factors that were involved. The, you know, most of the players are only playing half half of the game. You know, they're not. They you don't want to get injured. You don't want to try that hard. You know, there, there's a lot of things in this that's that's. It's you know there were players that we were missing like Landon Donovan that should have been there that was being rested because he was in, had a little bit of an injury and he wanted to save himself for the for the weekend for the league, which proved to be a smart decision for him. Um So there's a lot of stuff like that that you know people overseas just seeing that scoreline don't see that they don't they don't know that and they just look at this as oh wow you know so to me if you're going to bring in the internationals like this and have a team like this I mean ha- have a, have a game like this you need to do one of two things. You either just, you really need to make it so that it's just strictly an entertainment only kind of a game, or you need to actually set it up so that it's competitive. And so that people don't have, you know, so that it doesn't matter, you know, I mean, so that, you know, the MLS actually has a chance in this to actually be competitive. And it's okay if you get beat two, one or three, one, three, two, something like that. That'd be okay. You know, it's not like you absolutely have to win, but at least make it competitive. But especially when you do a 4-0 result, it's just, that's just, that's pretty pathetic. You know, especially with, you know, we, we, we now quote had this league with, with, um, you know, Terry Henry and all these, you know, high-priced foreigners here that should be, you know, should be, should be making our league better and yet the results are getting worse. So I think it's also partly that United has learned how to play against us and they know what's, you know, coming here and how to do that. And that's, that's kind of interesting. So. Anyway, enough said about the All-Star game. Uh, best, best to forget it. Um, let's go ahead and, um, talk about Ch- CONCACAF Champions League. There were uh, three games midweek. Uh, these are apparently are games you do a homeowner, homeowner way leg, and this qualifies you for the group stage. So we had, uh, San Francisco versus Seattle. Uh, very poor game, really. Uh, Seattle dominated but couldn't score. They gave up a goal and a weak handball penalty. Uh, they should have scored twice late, but missed chances, and uh, Noonan hit the post, and I think it was the name Fecito, um missed an open net when he was uh, on the ground in front of an empty net, and the ball was kind of cleared right to him, um, but uh, he missed that one. So San Francisco won, Seattle nil. Um, and they'll do the second leg this week. Uh, Toronto, real Esteli. Uh, boring start as it's a half hour before the first save, as TFC dominates utterly but can't score. Then in the second half, it's substitute Plata to the rescues. He dribbles past his man in the box on the left and then beats his keeper at the near post. A few minutes later, he scores off a direct free kick to double the lead but late on the tfc backup keeper makes just a horrible blunder he comes out to retrieve a simple ball uh, played back by his defender on the right side so he comes out of his goal way over on the right basically just makes a sliding interception on the ball to keep keep it from going out for a corner and it just it just makes a hash of it just he allows the ball to roll under his body and you know he's he's trying to kind of put his back to the between the ball and the player but he lets the ball go underneath him and so then it's just the ball's right there for the striker to just take the ball in this empty net and just a total gift total gift and uh and it's a huge road goal for Real Estelí so this could be really costly for TFC because now they have to go the way leg and score in a foreign country and you know get a result there that's going to be tough so I don't hold much hope out for Toronto to get out of this. So Toronto 2, Real estate 1. And then Alianza-Dallas is probably the best result of all of the three games. Difficult match for Dallas away to El Salvador in rainy conditions, but they hold on, sneak a 70th-minute goal via terrific move by Jackson to get by his defender, go 1v1, and score. Uh, that takes forever, but finally they reach the final whistle and uh, go home with a monster road win. So uh, Alianza 0, Alianza 0, and Dallas 1. So, that's the calf Champs League. Let's talk Major League Soccer. A few games to talk about. We had Philly versus Colorado on Friday night, and the Rapids take advantage of surprising defensive errors by the Union to leap to a 2-0 lead in the first half. masteroni got the first off a throw-in, and then uh, runs into the box around his defender and scores. Uh, a killer through ball for the Speedy Niazzi to run onto is the next goal. Uh, he just basically leaves the defense in the dust and... Uh, he finished it nicely, and Farfan should have equalized right. as play resumed after the half, but he skied his shot. Uh, Philly had several more chances, and the Rapids full-on came on, nearly scored with his first touch, putting it wide to the far post. Then the pressure got to the Union, as Williams idiotically got himself two yellows for descent in a few seconds. Uh, this is just idi. Uh, I can't believe this play. After the first yellow, he kept complaining, called the ref a bad word. You could actually see his mouthing. Uh, mouth moving, uh, read his lips, and he got himself another. The ref didn't hesitate; just pulled the yellow back out. Here's your yellow. Here's his. Here's your red card, and Philly have to play the final twenty-five a man down. So just really, really, really dumb. Uh, I mean, I just, that's just so dumb, I can't believe it. Uh, Full then missed another while the two put a free kick over. Then Mwanga received a terrible giveaway, but Philly couldn't do anything with his chance, with the chance. In stoppage time, though, Roger Torres did a dribbling expedition in the box, weaving and dancing his way through the crowd, smashing it into the top corner to bring one back. Terrific goal. Uh, they could have equalized with the final play of the game, but Pickens made a killer stop on a point blank header, and unfortunately, Philly don't get anything out of this one, so Philly one, Colorado two. Vancouver, LA. The Whitecaps hold on for an hour. Is neither team does that much testing. I think somebody hit the post, but uh, but then the floodgates open. Landon receives a beautiful ball over the back line from Tron Con- Franklin. He chests it down, uh, takes it to goal, and with his first. Touch, other than the chest, uh, just brilliantly flicks it over L- 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 Cannon, Joe Cannon for the lead. A few minutes later, Harvey tries to trap a ball in the box with his arm. The ref awards the penalty, which Landon converts for his second of the match. Then he feeds the ball across the face of the goal to Franklin at the back post, puts it in, so two goals and assist for Landon. And finally, in the 90th, Substitute Crispin uh, scores, in the n- scores for L.A. Um, I for LA. was by header. Um, by that point, I was pretty bored. Uh, Vancouver, nil, LA, four. Yeah, just disgusting. Uh, No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Let's see, Portland versus Toronto. Well, if you want to know what the Timbers are about this year, just watch this game. Just, you know, moments of brilliance, some decent skill, domination without effectiveness, typical storyline this year. Some fortunate goals, and then they relax, and sloppy defending causes them to give up a two-goal lead in the final 20 minutes. So, signs of a young team, perhaps, but very frustrating to watch. Uh, Timbers hit the bar in the 10th, but TFC do the same in the 22nd when Plata gets a shot off from the left wing, hits the far post, but Timbers counter right off that play with some brilliant counterattacking, finding an open Eddie Johnson on the left. He cuts to the center, pegs one to the far corner, passed Fry, and Timbers lead. TFC forced a defensive play out of Perkins, who slapping the ball right to a Toronto player, but he skied his shot, but kind of, uh, you know, symbolic of, of of the kind of problems that Timbers have. Sal Zizo uh, had a great run in the 35th, but his dangerous cross was cleared. Just before the half, De Guzman had a blast that Perkins blocked. Uh, Timbers continued to attack after the break with another chance from Johnson, but Toronto showed danger, forcing Horst to make a key block, and there was a potential handball of a Portland player in the box, but it looked unintentional, and the ref was not interested. Then Chara drove into the box on the left side, was clearly tripped up. The... No chance of the, getting the ball. Just The player just clipped his heels. Uh, Dewsbury converts the penalty for a 2-0 home team lead. So it's looking really good at that point. Just after the hour, Portland had a corner kick that Bruner headed on goal but came off the left post so close. And they really needed that one. But then Portland kind of relaxed. You know, a danger pointed out by the commentators that, you know, with points so crucial, um, the, the team seems to kind of panic. They over-defend when they get a lead. and They sit back and defend instead of continuing to play the same way. And uh, they allow Toronto time in the ball, the way team gains confidence, they press forward. And in the 71st, they Portland gives the ball away sloppily. TFC score out of nothing, just a shot from the outside that just nicks the inside of the post. Toronto then make a double save at the other end. Zizo's shot blocked by Fry, Charles fo- follow-up stopped by the defender. But then Portland allowed Toronto to play in their box. Fail to clear, a cross finds Kuberman, who has a simple redirect. To stick it in the lower corner, and we're tied. Uh, Perlaza could have won it for the Timbers in the 83rd on a header, but Fry tipped it over the bar, and that's the way it finished. Portland to Tim, uh, Toronto two. So. Compare that one with the Houston game. Uh, Houston-Seattle. Uh, both cases, a 2-0 lead is blown by a moment of sloppiness, but whereas that caused Portland to stumble and fall and give up a second, Houston doesn't sit back, continues to attack. They get the third and put the game away. So they got their first via Clark. Uh, I think it was a header. Then Ching put in a really decisive header. Uh, Seattle got back into it via a questionable penalty for me. Montero shouldered off Corey Ash. When Corey fell, he basically landed on Montero's legs. knocking going to on Montero, but... You know Freddie's challenge was fine, it was shoulder to shoulder, but he still he knocks the other player over shouldn't he i mean he started the play. you know he should be somewhat responsible for for the other player falling and it's you know it's rather hard to control your tumble uh I guess the real question is whether or not it was all tumble or if there was a little bit of of you know Corey trying to get you know the ball which he was a little bit um, but uh the ref gives a penalty Fernandez converts it past tally hall. Ching has the last word though for Houston, scoring deep in the second half to put the matter beyond doubt. Another header and, uh, stopping Seattle's, actually I don't know if that was a header or not, I can't remember. Uh, but stopping Seattle's nine game, uh, unbeaten streak. So, Houston three, Seattle one, so. Uh, Kansas City, New England, uh, the Revs should have scored early when Chowry Joseph was put through 1v1, but somehow he put his shot wide. Uh, in the 80, 38th, they get a break for a while. Casey is attacking. The ball is defended back to Matt Reese. He blasts it upfield where it literally bounces over the head of the last defender. Lekic is onside, goes way 1v1, slots it into the corner. Very nice goal. Casey should have equalized after the break when Reese can't stop a cross, but, uh, Sinovic is at a poor angle and he rushes his shot, uh, putting it high. The field starts tilting in Casey's favor as they get chance after chance. Sapong had a killer chance deep in the box when a poorly cleared ball was fed to him, and he was 1v1 against Reese, but uh, the goalkeeper made an amazing block. But less than 10 minutes to go, a ball uh, gets behind the revs. The defender slides in to tackle the ball away from Sapong, who's going for it. Uh, it's outside the box, but it's a straight red. Last man for A.J. Soares. Really kind of questionable. Um, looked like he got a lot of the ball... I thought at first he'd got there first, but it did look they basically kind of got there pretty close to it. But he was coming in kind of an angle, you know, straight red for him. Um, a bit harsh, but, I, you know, I, I can see it either way. Uh So now the Rebs are really going to have to defend. It's no surprise that they can't. As in the 89th, Bunbury finds a loose ball, dinks it in, and we're level. KC uh, remain unbeaten at their new park. KC won, New England won. So, RSL... Versus Columbus, this was a shock result of, the well, one of the shock results. Uh, Columbus get off to a great start, just five minutes in as they get the ball up the left wing, cross it to an utterly unmarked Eddie Gavin at the back post for the tap-in. Ouch, just minutes later, in the 10th, Wolfman, I mean uh, Tommy Heineman, he really looks like the Wolfman, uh, heads one in from the middle of the box, out jumping his defender. RSL should have scored in the 23rd when Alexander slid onto an Nespendo ball in front of the box, but the shot went over. He actually had a couple other chances. Not, not a, lot, a lot happened after that. The crew basically defended well, held on for the huge road win against their nemesis. They've always struggled against RSL in, our, in, in Salt Lake, but this time they did the good. So just that 2-0, 2-0 lead and hold on to it. So RSL nil, Columbus two. Another shock result was the San Jose D.C. Not much to write about in the first half, as neither side looks particularly steady. But about 10 minutes after the break, D.C. get the tiniest opportunities when a ball over the back line is missed by the San Jose defender, who slips. The ball reaches De Rosario, who puts it in off the underside of the crossbar. Just unstoppable. Minutes later, Pontius finds De Rowe in the box. He one-times it into the upper corner. Another unstoppable shot. So quick, so lethal. Out of nothing chance. Lethal. Out of nothing chance. Uh, but San Jose get a break themselves with a nice long ball over the back that lets uh, Jerkson in alone, and Nahar come in from behind to stop him. Uh Came in from behind to, uh, to stop him, clumsily following him. The ref uh, goes to the back pocket, last man red for DC. So San Jose have 20 minutes of man up to get something out of this one, but uh never actually really took advantage of the extra man. Uh, Wando had a couple chances, but Hamid stoned him. Huge win for DC, who haven't won in San Jose since 1998. Uh, when Coach Ben Olsen was a 20-year-old kid on the team, which is pretty amazing. (laughs) I think that just doesn't seem that far back, but, you know, wow. Uh, San Jose, nil, uh, D.C. too. And then Dallas Chivas, a deflected shot by Chavez, is all that D.C. need. and um, uh, Sorry, Dallas need, though Chivas created some chances um, late and basically looked like they could have equalized, but Dallas hit the woodwork, missed other chances of their own. And uh you know, didn't really need the other goal in the end though, so Dallas won Cheapest Nil. So uh let's see a couple of friendlies to talk about we had the Barcelona, Manchester United game. Ooh, you know the big replay uh this was a friendly, it didn't mean anything, I wasn't really expecting much. It was a pretty decent game, but, you know. Uh, United steal the ball away in their half, uh, encounter via well back to Nani, he nutmegs the keeper for the lead. Uh, Barcelona don't equalize until the 70th, when Thiago places one into the top corner. But another steal at midfield, springs Michael Owen and goes 1-1, he chips for the keeper for the winner. So, United get a little bit of wrench, Barcelona 1, Manchester United 2. Uh, I also didn't see, but I heard and saw the highlights a little bit of the Arsenal-New York Red Bull game, uh, which I somehow didn't know anything about, was in Emirates Cup in London. We uh, should have watched this one. Uh, own goal for Arsenal for New York's goal, um, though Terry Henry uh, had some good chances, including a direct free kick uh, that the Arsenal keeper had to save. And uh, I believe Van um, Percy was the one who scored for Arsenal. Um, look like a pretty nice goal. But um, they said something about uh, New York actually winning this, so I don't quite get that. It was 1-1, so I don't know if they finish it on penalties or some other way to decide it, or a draw goes to the away team. I don't know. But apparently the Arsenal fans are not very happy with their results. I can't imagine why. Uh, <laughs> and the other controversy in this one, which was kind of interesting, was they apparently wanted uh, Terry Henry to um, play the last five minutes for Arsenal, you know, back with his old team. And the ref wouldn't let him do it. He said it's against the rules and was adamant that they wouldn't allow it and our, uh, Wenger and everybody was like, what? This didn't make any sense. So I don't know if it's something with the, since I did this as part of the Emirates Cup, it wasn't a true friendly. Cause I've seen him do that in friendlies. I think David Beckham did it when he played, uh, Manchester United, uh, uh, Real Madrid or something like that at one time or somebody. It was somebody like that and he, you know, swapped jerseys and, and, and played for the, you know, one half for one team, one half for the other team. I've seen him do that. But this was maybe because this was Emirates Cup. It's not a true friendly. It has different rules. I don't know. The ref wouldn't allow it. So that's the way it finished. So. Anyway, that's it for this week's uh, podcast. So next week, next one will be on the 9th. And uh, as always, email is mark at soccertalkusa.com and the voicemail 206-339-8359 if you want to drop me a line. So, alright, next week.